Welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast with a special President's Cup edition. It's just past day one of the President's Cup 2019. And my good self and my wonderful man here, Rocket, was out there live at uh, Royal Melbourne. But Rocket, before you even talk, I think it's only appropriate that we give you your dues and we bring you in with a bit of this. Mate, I think it's only fair that we play that music, mate, because it's been a while since you've heard it. We tried to uh, substitute it with a bit of John Cena last week. I don't think it went down so well with the listeners, but the rocket music is back. How are you, brother? It's good to catch up with you today, Greenside, down there at Royal Melbourne. It's a big day. It's a big day. It is a big day. Um, you know, for me, it's the first time going to a President's Cup that's been hosted in Australia. Uh, day one, I think I strategically picked that because I reckon it's going to get quite crazy over the weekend and uh, I've got a few other things on, but it was really good to be out there, get amongst the people uh, and also good to sit, you know, catch up with yourself out there and do, do a little uh, a little on the fly, so sort of little, um, you know, call it preview. That was uh, quite fun you know, as we're walking between a few fairways. So uh, well, it was a really good day. Well, it was a bit of a test. Um I haven't ever used the phone or the Podbean, um, you know, li- not live, but the Podbean recorder where you can just basically record straight into your phone and push it straight up into the uh, the Podbankosphere from your phone. Never done that before and we had the little uh, microphone there and we thought we'd just try it. If it worked, it worked. If it didn't work, it didn't work. I listened to it in the car uh, as I drove away from uh, Royal Melbourne and uh, it was four minutes of comedy gold. Rocket, <laughs> wasn't it? We gave we gave our mate Jamo a bit of a drive by, and uh, if you did hear the four minutes of gold there tonight, you you would notice that uh, that we gave Scott Jamison, the captain of my favourite Melbourne City, a little bit of a, a raz, all in good fun, all in very good fun, um, for not even throwing your little finger sandwich over the uh, over the balcony of the Citibank Bar where he was uh, holed up in with uh, his his uh, cohorts, and uh, and you were down, you know, with the people. Uh, Greenside on the 14th green and uh, Rocket just being a man of the people. Man of the people. That's we ga- we gave Jam a bit of a raz and he's he's come back to us with some gold tonight, hasn't he? On the, my Instagram post where I posted uh, <laughs> where I posted Caption. the picture, my picture of uh, who was it, Tiger and um, uh, ZJ and um, it might have been JT. Yeah, walking down the fairways post uh, post their rounds and you know just lamenting on what was going on here. And what did he say? What did he? What, what was his? We are what oh, basically. If Jamo to come and play, is he going to bring those nuggets? You know, in the, and he's in reference to he's tagged us in there. <laughs> if we're going to get brought along to the foursome, if he gets invited. So I put up a po- <laughs> I put up a post on the Ross Flanagan Golf Instagram, captioned this, and it was this photo of the three guys walking away, obviously going, hmm, I'm a bit concerned here because they were about to become what we now know as four one down. And uh, and old Jamo said, you know, if Jamo, if if we can get Jamo, do you think he's got a chance of bringing those two nuggets, Roscoe and Rocket? <laughs> anyway, it's a had to be, he had to be there either on the day today at the President's Cup or, you know, with us. But uh, if you weren't, we're going to try and give you a little bit of twenty minutes or so of reliving today's action at the President's Cup, which you were all over, Rocket. I was. 
I was corporate boxing it, so uh, it was on the big screen, and you know, between the caviar and the uh, and the uh, sugar-free uh, caffeine, caffeinated drink, um, yeah, and I was, I was, you know, I got down there with you, mate. I got down there with you for a while, mate. I, I came and walked in the dust. What did you think? <laughs> well, um, so I had to go in there with a bit of a strategy, all right, because you're thinking about. Uh, Especially myself, I'm, I'm the I'm of the vertically challenged um, brigade, um, not being that tall. So, uh, getting into strategic spots to be able to get good good uh, line of sight for players hitting shots, whether it be off the tee from the fairway into the greens, etc. So, I went in with a bit of a plan and quite and left it quite fluid based on what I was feeling. Um. So for me, it was picking out a couple of holes early, so a couple of good vantage points. So in behind four, so got a good view down down the fairway there, and got a bit of a view of um, you know players walking from there to five. Then I did station myself at ten for a good hour or so. Made a few friends in there. We we're camped around my phone, you know, streaming the uh, broadcast like it was like a little campfire, um, and uh, took plenty of shots and stuff in there. Uh, and then uh, I hightailed it um, right down the back into into 14 you know, because that was where you know majority of the groups were going to come through. The match was a bit, bit tighter. Get in nice, close to the green, um, uh, just so I could see as much as I can. Um, there were plenty of good viewing screens. So if I was six foot uh, two and taller, uh, I probably would have had the luxury to be able to just sort of walk along with any group and stand, you know, third row back and still see everything, but I'm not, I'm lucky to be 5'8", I reckon. So it was just a really good day. Uh, it was good to see a lot of these players up close and personal. Uh, it was also really good to see strong support from both sides as well uh, and a lot of good shot making out there. You know, Royal Melbourne was in, Fantastic condition. The greens were just rock hard. It's so good. Well, let's talk about the course for a second because, uh, you know, having played there in October, I've got to say, you know, I, I thought they had a fair bit of ground to cover from October. I have zero idea of what it takes to prepare a golf course for a tournament, let alone, you know, a President's Cup condition. And, you know, Richard Forsyth and his team of, you know, what I now know as hundreds of, you know, people, including volunteers, have done a stellar job. You know, you can see oh, exactly. I, I played East in about October, and I was even. I'm looking at it, going, they haven't got long to go. How are they going to get it to this to the, to this point? And um, yeah, it's amazing. Well, I've obviously done it a number of times before, and yeah, but it was just magnificent. The the, the brown rough, the green fairways, the you know carpet like. Uh, what's the cooch that they use there? It's that special special cooch that you know slows the ball, just slows the ball in the fairway uh, a little bit. They do a few. They do a bit of overseeding and stuff with a with a, a fescue in some areas, yep. and then oh, I don't, I can't remember. What they use in the fairways, but it's, and Do, it's doesn't matter. Pretty we, much deaf, yeah. But it just looks really good. You, don't, you, you remember last week we got told to stay away from the grass uh, conversations, but uh, oh it, yeah, that's right. Sorry, 
it's it's absolutely stunning down there. It it looks every bit as good as it will on the screen for those of you that won't be uh, fortunate enough to to make the trip to Melbourne to Royal Melbourne this weekend. Uh, it looks better than it's better in the real life, obviously, than it does on the screen. But uh, wow, you know, you talk about the greens as you're we're about to get into before we said let's just have a, a bit of a general chat. You know, and I think I mentioned in a little four-minute sort of takeaway that it was like a squash ball bouncing on a billiard table. And, you know, the reference to the squash ball just came to mind. But that's what it sounds like, you know, that that pop of the ball hitting that sand belt green. It has a distinct, distinct sound. It's not like anything else other than the sand belt where, you know, if you bash your club on the you know, on the ground, you get this doing, you know, this hollow sort of... I still think... The, the one that I heard of, you know, the one I posted about Tigers one hitting at 14, you know, standing on 14 for, for that hour or so, it was like just dropping a golf ball on a on a concrete driveway. It's, it's like it just made that boom sound. It's just almost like semi sort of hollow, just but really hard. And it's like you just go, yeah, that's – there's there's no there's not even a skid mark on that grass. I reckon on the ground there's there's definitely no pitch marks. There is no pitch marks. What um distance was fourteen playing today? I don't know if you've got a read on, on that. Uh, one seven five, I think it was. Downwind. So it's playing one seven five downwind. Yeah, a little, little bit downwind, sort of crosswind. But yeah. um, so they were landing the ball. So they're they're hitting what eight eight iron, seven iron, so seven yeah. I think it was 175 metres or 175 yards. I'll have to check. Either way, uh, whatever iron they were hitting, they've had to land that thing a good, what, front of the green. Yeah, basically yeah, front of the pin green. Was, pin was up the back right and they were landing it at the front. And just letting it release up the hill and uh, we saw a lip out while we were there. We did we did nearly witness a hole in one. Ace cam wasn't yep. on but we did. Uh, who was that? Was that Xander? Xander? Oh. Or was it Cantlay? Oh, I think it was Cantlay yeah. or that group. I think, I think, it, think was. it was that group, yeah. But uh, we nearly we nearly witnessed the hole in one with the lip out. Uh, it was quite spectacular. But they were just, you know, attacking. Atta- they, were, well, they weren't attacking pins. They were attacking sections of a green to let the ball roll up to a pin. And it was – but the noise and the whole, whole thing was just phenomenal. And, you know, the few other greens that I got to walk to um, – Exactly the same. Now you saw you saw more of it, Rocket. But I want to talk about the crowds for a second. I was blown away by just how many people there were for a thir- Thursday. Thursday, not so many matches out on course. There was what five five matches. Yep. And uh, the amount of people, and not only just following uh, Tiger, you know, following all the groups. Uh, I know from uh, my colleagues who are manning the fan shop down there with all of the apparel, and they've done a fantastic job. If you, obviously, if you are going, have a look at the fan shop. There's some great apparel in there from uh, the Greg Norman collection and Sport A Leisure and Lacoste. Uh, it's a great selection. It's massive. You know, it sort of rivals the Solheim Cup when I was there in September. Um, you know, one of the bigger tournaments in the globe, and uh, they've done a fantastic job. Uh, the team at uh, Drum and Golf down there putting that fan zone together. Um, what was I going to say? What was I? Well, I lost my train of thought talking about uh, drum and golf in the fan zone. Oh, the crowd! The crowd! The crowd! 
that I, I know that they ha- are absolutely blown away by how many people are already there and the call went out for more staff. So um, that's just an indication of how significant the crowds have been so far. So I think tomorrow and Saturday and obviously Sunday are just going to be... Saturday is going to be yeah, crazy, yeah. I reckon. So how many... Saturday, Saturday is going to be the one that will break. That'll be, that'll be big. That's going to be a big day, I reckon. Yeah. So and the, how? what was your take on the crowds? You know, so I'm leading somewhere with the crowds. Your boy, the shovel... Well, he's not the shovel. Matt Cooch is the shovel. What, what's what's the other boy? P. Reed. Oh, you, oh, Patrick. Yeah. What's his nickname? Oh, Pat Down Reed. I'll, I'll have to come up with one. Yeah. But. Oh, well, we'll get. We'll I go. Was gonna say, I was going. Let, let, let's say the Patrick Reed one to the end, right? Because there's a, there's there's something I I, I found out about. Patrick, which I didn't tell you today because I wanted to save it for the podcast. Okay. So let's let's just let's just park that little nugget for the end. So you were out there. Um, you were out there early. What what was you know? It's it's obvious. We, we know what happened with Patrick Reed uh, last week. You know he he moved the sand with his club not once but twice in the um, wasteland uh, as yeah. he was sort of preparing. Yeah, prepa- yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre- um, as he was preparing so, for his shot, so not in a practice swing. He, he walked away and had a practice swing and interacted with the sand in the wasteland, which you're totally allowed to do. But then, then he had a couple of little wiggle waggles and and you know with the back of the the bounce sole, uh, moved a fairly considerable amount of sand away from uh, the impact area of the ball. Now he claims that uh, it wasn't cheating. People have got made their own calls on that, and you know I'm not going to say one way or the other. I've got my own thoughts. I know. What I think it was wrong. Um, how were the crowd responding to Pat Down P Reed? Uh, yep, yeah. uh, Pat Down Reed. Um, I thought it was just it was just fantastic that he teed off on when his group was teeing off. He's teed off on the first. He's drove it into the bunker, and someone from the crowd has yelled out right from the start, Patrick. I can't believe you're making your caddy do that, carrying 14 clubs and a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> and then another person chimed in when he's because that was before he got to, that was just as he got to the tee, and then when he hit it into the bunker, someone's yelled out, "There are cameras down there, Patrick." Oh dear. <laughs> so they were into him from the off. Which... Yeah, they were into him from the get go. Poor, poor Webb Simpson. I'll tell you what, if if um. That would have been the best time for Webb Simpson if he hit one in the trees to sort of foot wedge it because the cameras would have been on Patrick the whole day. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, their match, they went down to the wire. So they, you know, Webb Simpson, Webb Simpson's just a good match player, just full stop. Um, and unfortunately, having to get paired, paired with Pat Downreed. Um, so, you know, playing Hideki Matsuyama and Siki Pan. Uh, it was just a really tight match all day. Um, and, you know, for all of his stupidity, Patrick Reed is still a damn good golfer. Yeah. So, yep. you know, it was it was a well-fought well fought match. And that was, that was probably the one that the, the U.S. were really hanging on because, you know, that would, ex- except for um, the other one, which was Xander and Cantlay, 
uh, versus Hadwin and Sanjay Im, which is really tight all day. I watched a few holes with um, Cantlay. Oh, man, that, that dude has just a great swing. Um, that Those two matches were really tight. The rest of them, you know, so, um, you know, the, um, the US team were getting smoked, quite frankly. You know, got the, um, Dustin Johnson and Gary Woodland got absolutely hosed by Abe Anser and, and uh, the Mattress King. You know, so, um, you know, those, those guys came out blazing and they won a... Um, you know, four holes in a row, you know, two to five. Were you surprised um, by that with that that result in that match? No. No? No. No. Because because I actually this is where this is the this is where Royal this is where Royal Melbourne has come to the fore. Right. Mm-hmm. This is this is the separates the men from the boys. Um you know, because Dustin Johnson and Gary Woodland, they're high ball hitters, but getting oh. used to playing a course where you have to factor in run mm-hmm. and fairways that that sh- and actually having to shape your shots. Right, oh, this is the other thing. Right, these two these two guys hit it long. They hit it well, but they're bombers and they have a good short game. But they don't. I wouldn't call them ball striking machines in terms of being able to move their ball you know, left to right, right to left, and shape it around a course. Because if you, anyone that's ever walked the grounds of, of Royal Melbourne, um, I would almost liken it to, you know, any other course I could think of that, that does this to the extreme is Olympic Club. You know, a hole that goes left to right, the fairway shapes the opposite direction most of on most holes. So, for example, the 10th hole on the composite, which is 18 west, it's a sharp dock leg to the right, but the fairway sh- slopes sh- sharply from right to left. So your tee shot needs to be shaped the opposite direction to what the fairway runs to actually hold it. Otherwise, you go through the fairway and you get yourself into trouble. Um, so you, you can't just go out there and just blast away. You actually have to move the ball around to get yourself in the right spots and then also maneuver your shots hitting into the greens rather than just go... I'm going to bomb it down the fairway and just I'm just going to gouge wedges and short irons into these pins and attack them. You can't do that there. So, you know, Abe Answer is not a long hitter, so he has to work the ball around. Louis Oosthausen, as I said the other week, um, if it's not – put his putter aside, T to green, he is amazing. He's just a ball-striking machine. And so he would have applied pressure just by T to green. Like he would be, he would probably have been inside twenty feet most of the day on every hole. So, you know, I'm not surprised by the result because I think that those two are better ball strikers and better suited to playing Royal Melbourne. Um, and Dustin Johnson is not the smartest tool in the shed, so strategy golf is not really his thing. Um, and then what was the uh, that sort of sums that up, mate. That match up really well, and they were just a good pairing. Um, two little, two little guys against the two biggest guys in the planet. I know. I it's love just, it. It's just smart, right? And 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 Louis's been in great form as well. Um, and Abe's proved himself in Australia, right? Because he, you know, won the Australian Open last year, so he knows how to play. He knows how to golf his ball. Um, and then what was the other other one? Which I was actually, I was 
surprised that um, they won this one. So he had Adam Scott playing um, with Ben Arn, um, and they're playing uh, the fraudulent physicist and uh, Tony Finau. So this is quite a tight match, and you know Adam Scott's based off his form the other week, and I saw a couple of his shots today, and he wasn't hitting it flash, but they were just able to get it around. Um, you know, we uh, saw the uh, was it fourteen? I think he rolled when I yeah the path the path the path three where he, it was you know clutch ish you know yeah that's um, oh yeah. that's right I, that's right I said to you oh he's he should hold this one because it's outside four feet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, um, yeah, that, that, those guys ended up, you know, winning two, one over those two. And, and I, and this is another one where I actually don't think Scott and Arn played great, but this goes back to, you know, Finau I think is, is okay, but, um, the fraudulent physicist, he doesn't know how to play this type of golf. And there's a reason he's been rested tomorrow. He, he's a... He's a he talks a lot of rubbish about science and all the other garbage, but when it comes to strategy and um, golfing your ball, I think he's trying to his swing and how he thinks about it. He's thinking about everything has to be fully. How do you control everything? That's not how you. There's a reason why he's only ever made one cut in the British Open and even then finished fiftieth because doesn't know how to play golf when it's unpredictable. Mm. He's, you know, he's trying to convince himself he can control stuff. Mm. You know, and that's probably half of his problem. Maybe he needs to put that gold helmet back on and reprogram his brainwaves or something like that. Well, certainly from the people that I was talking to today, a lot of the conversation was around him and not the quality of his golf, but just the quality of his size. Of his size. Quality of the amount of eating that he must have done to um, bulk up with about thirteen and a half kilos since September or October. Um, he's, he looks like he's been eating pies and beer. Well, why? Why? You know, you you follow uh, the Twitter sphere and the and all of the uh, the writings far more um, in a deep far more detail than I do. What's your read on on because you, and you and you do love him? You are really part of the fan club. <laughs> Why has he gone so big? Because he's an idiot. Right. You want to think about that? You don't want to. No. Okay. He's an idiot. But is this his way of trying to you know compete with the? He's books? outsmarting himself. Yeah. Right. He's not that. I don't think he's that smart. Oh, I'm not going to. I can't comment on that. I don't. Do you know, know what? Do you know what I still love? What's that? This is like I could say he's an idiot, but he just continues to create so much content for me it's so good he, he it's does awesome he does give you plenty of ammunition to to oh give you opportunities goodness. to talk about about that so and think about this right so we, we're gonna digress for a second he's gone oh i want to hit it longer so he's gonna hit the gym and bulk up that's not how you hit it longer like it's about club head speed like creating big muscles and bulking up is not how you create club head speed. If if he came out and had thighs like Serena Williams, because he's doing been doing squats, and and um, he's creating Philquan calves and maybe Philquan glutes or whatever it is, because he's trying to build up his hips 
and his core. He's talking about oh, having back problems, yet he's built up his upper body. Like, the guy's a moron. Like, you can go to YouTube, how to protect your back. It's all about core work. Mm. You build up your hips, you build up your flexibility, you build up your lower back. That's where you create all your torque and your, and your speed. And then you, you work on your forearms and your wrists because that is where all the speed is created. People go, oh, but um, now Brooks is big and goes to gym. Yeah, yeah. If, if anyone's actually paid any attention to how he trains and what he trains, there's a reason um, he hits it like a, a mile because he's very strong through the core. And yes, he might have big biceps, but he's not massive across the chest and doesn't look like he's he's trying to sort of um, train for like Misty Olympia. He's just got big forearms, big wrists, strong through the core, and he's got a swing that is just quite fluid and generates a lot of club head speed. Mm-hmm. Like, and and you look at you look at you look at Bryson, and he's just thick across the shoulders. He's thick across the um, the chest, and now he's thick across the ass. <laughs> Apparently, he's gone up nearly four inches in his pants size. If you're bulking up and trying to build up club head speed, like Tiger Woods, when he was at his biggest, still had like a 30, 32 inch waist. Mm. Like, and, and so there's an article where apparently someone's found out what um, Bryson is eating, and he's like, He's like trying to, I don't know, be the rock with his with his calorie count. It's like he's like trying to smash. Like apparently he had the other day, uh, uh, eight jelly, a peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, two fried eggs, bacon, uh, protein shake, something else and something else, and that was for breakfast. Like you're a golfer, dude. What are you doing? Jeez. On the flip side, keep doing it because this is going to be fantastic to see because this is a car crash. Just, it is just a car crash in front of us. Everyone can see this is silly. Like what's the guy doing? Well, there's, there's the call. There's the rocket man's call. We'll keep watching. Are you predicting that he will, uh, he'll, what he'll, so he'll most likely come back on Saturday. Maybe. Does everyone play on Saturday? Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, um, or is it not until Sunday that everyone's definitely playing? Anyway, yeah, Sunday the single. So he, he might get a he might get a gig on he might get a gig on Saturday, depending on results. Um, Do you think? Yeah. He, are you going to are you going to say that he won't win a match? Are you brave enough to say that he won't win a match? If Royal Melbourne keeps playing like it is at the moment, I can't see him win one unless. He's, it's in one of the four balls of the foursomes mm-hmm. and his playing partner plays out of their skin. Okay. One, he's messing with what was working. He's number six in the world, right? That's the other thing. He was winning a lot of tournaments. He's number six in the world. but And then he's messed it with his body, so he doesn't look happy. You know, maybe he's feeling a bit bloated, you know, maybe sort of too much carb loading. Mm. Um and then the other thing as well, this course is just going to chew him up because the unpredictability is 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 going to mess with him. It's literally going to mess with him. He just he's not going. He can't handle it. He cannot handle it. So who else from the uh, US team is getting a rest for tomorrow? 
Um, oh, good question. Here we go. Go to day two. Is your boy Ricky in? Yeah, the human billboard is in. He's <laughs> playing with Gary Woodland. Oof. Uh, so who's not playing? Uh, is Tiger playing tomorrow? Yeah, Tiger and JT are playing, which yeah. is actually a really smart move. Yeah. I need to score. And so Gary – oh, so DJ. So it's DJ and, and Bryson. Yeah, right. So person who is probably one of the dumbest people on the planet with the person who's the smartest, dumbest person on the planet on the <laughs> sidelines. They're your words, Rocket. <laughs> Maybe they could go and, you know, lick some stamps or something for a couple of Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, get, no, don't be like that. <laughs> No need for that on the My Love of Golf podcast. <laughs> anyway, what um, – so we're four – we you know, when I say we, 4-1 oh, up. Oh, we're so the internationals, 4-1 in, up. Internationals. It's a really good lead. It's a really good it's lead. A ripping lead. And it's certainly one that wasn't forecast, you'd have to admit, yeah? No, definitely not. Like, every, you know, everyone still thinks the US – you know, US got a really, really strong team, but I still think, you know, Royal Melbourne is the – Royal Melbourne is the equaliser. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing is I think the, the, the one match that went the other way, which was JT and Tiger, you know, beating um, Mark Leishman and um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix um, four and three, I, I still think Leishman um, is out of form. Um, and I think Neiman, that was the first time for him. So I think it was a little bit of... Um, Big stage. A little yeah. bit of stage fright. Yep. Yeah, a little bit of stage fright. Um, so I think, uh, Neiman will be better for the, better for the, for the rounds and Leishman, I think he just needs to, um, who's he, who'd they put him with? Oh, they put him with, so they've mixed around the pairings. So it's foursomes tomorrow. So that's be interesting. So you got, uh, Louis and Scott versus Dustin and Kucha. Oh, I get a feeling that those two could actually smoke these. Oh, I'm going to predict a 4 3 right. DJ. So that'll be an international win. Mm-hmm. Then we've got Hadwin Neiman versus uh, Xander and Cantlay. Could go either way. That's that's one of those. Oh, um... actually, do you know what? I, this, this Cantlay loves, he loves hard and fast. So mm. I actually think. That will go the way of the US. So I could see that one being at least a 2 1. And then we've got uh, Leash and Abe versus Webb Simpson and Pat Down Reed. I know Leishman's already made some comments about Pat, Patrick Reed. I actually think that one could go either way. That one could go either way. Poor Webb Simpson. Why does he get paired with the people that no one wants? Um, he's that sort of guy. Like Web, Webb's, Webb's the guy that just it's like he takes one for the team. Yeah, that's that's the um, sort of feeling he gives me. Not just not just now, but just always. But anyway, I, I still got, I still my hat still goes off to Webb Simpson because I would have written him off as a golfer as a professional golfer a long time ago, and he's just uh, another one of these guys that's come back from the abyss and. 
you know, performing at the top level and, and getting well, picked in Well, I think it, for him it was like um, just dealing with um, – he, he had that really strong run from 2010 to like 2012 um, or 2013. Then he did sort of disappear. I think he just lost his game, lost his focus. Then they had obviously the change around the putter. And he's been able to – took him a while to figure it out, but he's he's found a groove again. And then, um, you know, one of the players – yeah. Last year, the year before. So, you know. Oh, I told you. He's, and he's oh, a good guy. He's yeah. just a good guy. Wrote him off, but he's back and, you know, hats off to him. But he, yeah, I think he'll get beaten tomorrow. But um, And then uh, then the next match, you got Ben Arn and Hideki Matsuyama versus JT and Tiger. Um, I could see JT and Tiger win that one. Yeah. I, I'm not sure about um, Hideki. Didn't, didn't, didn't look. Great today, but obviously no, mm. no. Then the last one, this will be interesting. You've got Sun Jam and Cam Smith versus Gary Woodland and uh, Ricky. So, hmm, not sure. Internationals there for me. Yeah, yeah, it's probably. Probably a good call. So maybe we'll call it three two. So three two. That would, if they get out, if they can get out of day two with this, at no worse than three two. That puts it at what seven seven three seven three. That's really good. That's a really good going into day three. That's really good. And if, and if you know the likes of Leishman, um, Leishman can hit a bit of form. Scotty can sort of get a little bit more form, and I reckon. Just need don't need anything spectacular, but from some of the younger guys like Arn and Im and Neiman, if they can just if they can just just lift in in certain spots to just help you know carry the load with some of their um, um, more experienced um, playing partners and teammates, that's that's all they need to do. They don't need to be superstars. They just need to just. You know, keep grinding away and and just lift when they need to. That, that would go a long way to um, you know getting the internationals closer because get to seven, fifteen point five is what they need to win. So they're like halfway there yeah. with you know what do we got? So twelve singles matches plus the five and five. Is it five? What's on day three? Four ball. Oh, it hasn't been posted. So if you go five and five, so it's 10. 10 plus 12, there's 20 something points up for grabs. So they won't need too many more if they can go with a 7 7 3 lead into into Saturday. So, and it could get really, really interesting. You know? Well, we will have to wait and see what happens tomorrow. What time does it kick off tomorrow? Is it a, it's an early start? Uh, 11 o'clock. 11 so o'clock. No, a little later. bit later. Yeah, a bit later. Starts a little bit later. Yep. Foursom should be a little bit faster than today. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who's who plays off what holes. But you know, force is always good strategy there. There's certain holes that'll suit certain players, so it'll be interesting to see how they they pan that out. Did you uh, go as far in your analysis to have a look at the uh, the ball manufacturer pairings between the players in the teams? So you've got. Oh, hadn't have, thought of that one. Who have you got, Ricky, and who? Well, we go from the top. Yeah. So if you just went with the US, you got 
Dustin Johnson and Cooch. So Cooch is a Bridgestone dude. Yep. DJ is a tailor-made. Yep. I wonder what they would do there. Two, two totally different feeling balls. If you, a lot of people love that uh, Bridgestone ball, and uh, how would they, how would they figure that out? Yeah, I don't maybe know. it's maybe it's whoever's t ball is on that, whoever's teeing off. That's the ball they use on that hole. Then, yeah, they inter- do it that way, or interesting. Yeah, I guess that's the way you can do it. Who else you got? Okay, this is for the ball nerds out there. This this one's for you. We got Xander and Cantlay. So Xander's a Callaway boy. Yeah. And Cantlay's a tightless man, I think. Uh huh. And then? Uh, then you got Webb That's and Reed. Two different balls there. So, you know, the, the chrome uh, side. Webb chrome. and Reed, I think they're both tightless boys. Yep. Then you got JT and Cat. So JT's a tightless boy, Tiger's a Bridgestone, Bridgestone man. I would be tipping they'd be using the Bridgestone most of the time there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon JT won't have too much say in that one. Tiger will be like, I don't care. We are playing. Mm. We are just playing my ball for the whole way around, sunshine. Um, and then you got Gary and Ricky. So Ricky's a tailor made, and Gary is, I think, he's a tailorist. Yeah, and Ricky's been using uh, those tailor mades with the the motifs on it. I forget what they call it, but uh, yeah. So he's been using that for about a year and a half. Yeah. So. Oh well, there's 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 one for the uh, if you've got uh, get any thoughts on the ball, on the ball file, please uh, feed us please feed us your uh, information and uh, if you see anything out there, if you know anything, if you hear anything, let us know who's who's using what ball and which one if they're teeing off with this, with their, the brand of balls that they like to use. Anyway, just something for the ball nerds out there. What else, mate? What else? So you were going to talk about uh, Patrick Reed. You had you had some sort of name or something. You had. Yeah, something else to bring bring to us. So, with um, where he was removing um, copious amounts of soil slash sand, just a million a million particles of loose impediment. What if? What would you say if I said to you that the two scoops? that were caught on video were actually scoop number six and scoop number seven. For the tournament that he was... For that shot. Yeah, okay. Well, you've obviously got some some more information there. I I only saw you know what was on uh, came through Twitter and the little video clips there and a, and a little bit extra. But uh, why? What happened? He's got yeah, you know, like it's it, it it's not you and I breaking this. He's got form. Oh yeah, he's right. got form. But those two incriminating shots, yes, of the scoops. That was scoop attempt number six and scoop attempt number seven. So what happened to? I have it on very good authority, right? That there were five other scoops prior to those two on that ball, which was quite buried, and it was the cameraman who saw them and decided I'd better put the camera on. Yeah, right. Seven cracks at it. Seven. So how did you get that information, Rocket? Where you know where where does that come from? It's what happens when you're a man of the people, Roscoe. Right. 
you're just mulling in around the people and they uh, you get chatty and you start talking about stuff and then uh, there are certain people that might know certain people and they start to reveal information. Oh, very good. Because said cameraman that was at uh, the Hero Challenge is actually here this week. I see, I see. Well, Rocket, and, uh, great investigative work by you and that's why you are the linchpin of this uh, Roscoe and Rocket segment. <laughs> I push a button, maybe two or three buttons. I have some music in a little computer thing which uh, Flanagan has uh, set up for us here. But your job is to bring the gold and there you go, listeners. There's a little bit of gold brought to you courtesy of the Rocket Man. Oh, but he's and, got form. He's got form, you know. So the, what's the other one that we talked about? Uh, what was the tournament? Oh, with so Peter, was the Peter Costas one. Peter Costas one. So yeah. there's uh, people just need to just go to YouTube and go Patrick Reed cheat. Yeah. And they'll yeah. find the Peter Costas ones from the Barclays, and so you got that one on video. Um, there's a couple of others where there've been question marks. There's his past that from university, and there's a lot of and funny. It's the the most polarizing man in all of, all of golf, uh, Brandel Chambly, has come out all guns blazing, swinging baseball bats, cricket bats, uh, uh, pieces of of wood wrapped in barbed wire, and he is not left. He is not left anything uh, to wait. Um, he has not left anything uh, on in the, ta- the pocket. On the table, yeah. Yeah, he's he gone, Patrick Reed, and he went hard. So anyone just needs to look it up. Um, Brandel Chambly, Patrick Reed, you'll find it on the Golf Channel. Uh, I might, I think I posted it on my um, Twitter um, uh, pages where I retweeted the one from the Golf Channel. He has just gone him. Basically, just called him, and anyone that's even de- remotely defended Patrick is quite is put those people in the bucket of if you defend this, you are defending cheating, mm. and cheating is a very very strong word. But when you see what this man is doing, it is nothing else but like his defence of. Oh, I was a practice swing. Well, if you're going to have a practice swing in a wasteland, why are you settling your club behind the ball and then scooping back and then swinging on the other side of the ball twice? That's what was on video. Then you see the Peter Costas, talk about the Peter Costas one. There are other clips where it shows him patting down behind the ball. Like this is, and, and, it's summed up when you see his interview and t- he, you know, it's, it's back to my favorite Seinfeld quote from George Casanza. And he goes, Jerry, it's only a lie if you don't believe it. And Patrick Reed doesn't believe it. Mm. You can call him a cheat all you want. He literally doesn't believe it. Yeah. He doesn't care. And he doesn't care. He literally doesn't care. You think about the Ryder Cup last year. He threw everyone under the bus. Not only that, he got back in the bus, beep, 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 backed it back over all of his teammates, and he gets picked again. He's a captain's pick. Yeah. Right? And, and then Brandel Chambly even says that. He said, he called, he basically said, Tiger Woods, you've made a deal with the devil, and now you have to deal with the consequences. Mm. 
and he was scathing. But he, he like everyone's heard me talk about, um, you know, Matt Kuchar and you know calling him three drops. What he did over in Europe in terms of scraping sand around the ball, calling it loose impediments. That's just blatant, right? But and the whole thing around his drops, right? I, I really question the ethics of the man. But when you are like, it cannot be any more obvious, and you are caught so red-handed, and it's not the first time, and you have a history of it, and you deny it. Something, something has to happen from the governing bodies because at the moment they're condoning it. You know, Slugger White, one of the big rules officials there on the PGA Tour, referred to um, Patrick Reed as a gentleman. He's, he's a gentleman. Like, come on. Like, I'm an amateur and I'm really particular about, like, golf and the rules of golf. There are some rules that are crazy. But when you are doing something like – you're improving your lie and you're doing it in – like, oh, it makes my head my, makes my head explode. It makes my blood boil. And I know that, you know, some of the things I've posted, I've probably been, you know, maybe I need to take a break for a couple of days. And I've been into the dude, but fair dinkum, like this is just, it's a blight. It is a literal blight on the game. And you have the likes of Rory. Well, I'm not surprised that he, he half protected him because remember, he was the chosen one. He's now with the dark side. He's he's siding with the uh, the Sith Lords of Pontevedra, So he's got to protect the players. You know, and do you know what? I've got to give major props to someone like Cam Smith who come out and said, he's a cheat. And I actually hope, and I hope and pray that the singles pairing on Sunday is Cam Smith versus Patrick Reed. If that pairing is not made, someone should be taken out the back and given a good stern talking to because we're in the Golf is the entertainment business as well, and everyone wants to see that match. Mm-hmm. So oh, I'm done. I'm, I've had enough of Patrick Reed. I'll probably come up with a nickname. Maybe just call him Pat Down, Pat Down Reed, because that's what he does. He yeah. just pats it down behind the ball. I just think uh, all I can think about when I think about this, and I'm not going to think about Patrick Reed anymore, but I think about those guys, um, and I can't remember the names. I should have set you some homework to come up with them, but there, there are several of professional golfers that have finished second in tournaments or third after calling penalties on themselves for very, 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 what would seem in comparison, minor infractions, albeit an infraction. Um, oh, the, um, there was the guy that was in the playoff to Matt Kuchar and he called a, he called a penalty on himself at the Heritage Classic. Correct. So RBC. Yeah. Um, and it cost him the tournament. Isn't that and left no hand, one left else saw it. It yeah. wasn't even seen. It yeah. wasn't even seen on the camera. And he goes, look, I think the ball moved. Yeah. So my, my, and you've got this, you got this guy who's just scooping, you know, like fair income. Just give him a bucket and a shovel. Yeah. Those guys uh, deserve more credit now in in hindsight than uh, than they probably get. But uh, yeah, that's all I think about. And to think that uh, you know, he he's got the uh, privilege of um, having a green jacket and he's he's covered. Anyway, that's another story. Let's finish on a high here, Rocket. Let's, uh, yeah, we're, we're 50 minutes in. I had uh, the great pleasure 
of the company. Speaking of broadcasters, and you mentioned a couple of big names then. Oh, yes. But uh, I had the absolute pleasure of the company of Australia's very own Luke Elvey at Peninsula Kingswood on Wednesday uh, for a round with uh, my good friend Jamie Glazier. And what a pleasure it was to just spend four hours on a golf course with a young man from Sydney, Australia, who has put Australian sports broadcasters on the map as some of the best. If you think about some of the uh, golfing calls that he's made, especially at the Masters, you know, Louis Oosthuizen's uh, ricocheted uh, hole-in-one uh, at 16, you know, to, to, to name a few. Some of the stories, I, I can't, don't have enough time to tell you some of the stories that he was able to regale us with, but uh, what a fine, fine young man, and it was an absolute pleasure to get to play 18 holes with him. And um, we were on the 6T of the north, and uh, he just pops his head up and goes, oh, there's Finchie over there. So Ian Baker Finch was just walking down the 8th the and just <laughs> straddled across and had a little bit of a chin wag with Finchie and uh, you know, gave us all a wave, and, and off we went back on our round. But uh, what a great young man, and thanks to Jamie for inviting me because um, he was you know, Jamie's mate from, from a while ago from spending time on tour. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah, they know each other from from a while back, but uh, just a great man, great man, and I'm very, very lucky and very pri- privileged to be able to, you know, be in a position to to get to meet uh, someone like uh, Luke. I didn't ask him to come on the podcast, you know. I just thought that was a bit too obvious, and I would have loved to. I gave uh, him a lift back into the city, and you know, had I had the recorder on, it just would have been enough enough interesting material and and, th- and inspiring material for you know three podcasts. Um, you know, I got to learn how he became, you know, moved from uh, journalism into, you know, broadcasting at Fox and when he headed up Fox in Australia in their sports um, coverage for a long time and then got the opportunity to, to move to the States and uh, now bases himself in Banff in Canada. Um, it was it was very, very, very good. Um, what else? So, and this morning I recorded with uh, Jamie, speaking of Jamie, Episode 5 of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. So I'm going to slot this in just here. You should listen to Jamie talk about mental mastery if you want to improve your golf game. You know, you and I, and, and hopefully uh, everyone knows, well, not hopefully, but you know, you will know that golf is a cerebral game. And, you know, if you're an everyday golfer like me, like you, Rocket, at whatever level, um, you know, there's a chance that you struggle with some mental sort of challenges at time to time. And changing behaviours in your mind takes time. I've had the benefit of you know, hanging out with Jamie for, well, over 12 months now playing golf, but we've, since we started the podcast, maybe a month and a half, two months, and just listening and being part of that podcast. And, and once again, I just press the buttons and you know hit record and put a file into a machine and upload it. That's what it seems like. But he delivers the goal. I can feel a change in my game coming, Rocket. I can feel it. And my round with... Jamie and Luke the other day um, started to bear some fruit. And so if you, you know, I won't go on with my own game, but go and listen to the podcast. We've put out a, putting out a great one uh, today, tonight, with some brain hacks. If you listen to nothing else, listen to the episode on brain hacks and it'll give you some really actionable uh, tips and strategies to put into play that will help you. And once you listen to it, you'll go, oh, yeah, I heard about that or oh, I sort of do that. Just go and do it. And uh, it will it will help your game. Anyway, that's the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. It's already one of Australia's top rated uh, podcasts in Australian iTunes and America. Um, but in Australia, it's you know sort of sitting at number sort of two to three to four to five. 
So it just means that people have jumped on straight away. So it must be valuable and it must be um, relevant content. So go and listen to that, the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Jamie's the CEO and founder of Dare to Dream. If you need any, need any coaching, need any support, jump on his website. That's where you can get him. Anyway, that's all from me, Rocket. Thanks for joining us on uh, Late Night, Late Notice. Great to see you today. Oh, pleasure. Great to see oh, you today. Pleasure. It was a great day. It's a great day. It's great to recap. And uh, my only tip for people that are, if they can't get to the course, if you can get to the course, just pick a couple of really good holes where, you know, and try and get a, a view on watching Tiger hit iron shots. It's just, it's the it's a picture of, it's just a beautiful thing. And if you can't do that on TV, just pay particular attention on TV of Tiger, how he plays um, Royal Melbourne, because he's heads, heads and shoulders above everyone else um, on that golf course because the dude could just golf his ball. Yeah. He can golf his ball. You are you are when you see and walk by Tiger and he walked past us, you know, me, maybe one or two times today, you are in the president presence of greatness and you can feel that aura, whatever that is, and however you perceive that oh, sort of thing. Oh, the crowds. This is the other thing. Like, I don't think people realise it's – this is what I was trying – there's a – you know, this. Oh, I know we're supposed to wrap up, but I've just got to be trying to explain this to people. They think about the crowds and when Ty – when I parked myself on 10 and we're one, maybe two deep, and there's a few people there that never been to – They'd never seen Tiger or anything like that. I said, well, you better get in here and don't move because the Tiger the tiger tsunami will come through and it, and there might be a bit of elbow action with people trying to get in to get their shots. And then once they go, we'll be fine for the next three groups. And they're looking at me really funny. And you can feel it. that Just as they came up on nine, you could feel the crowd moving in and they start to go, all of a sudden it goes from two deep to three deep to four deep five deep and I can feel people sort of leaning over me and, and putting their hands over my head, leaning into me, almost pushing me over the ropes. And as soon as Tiger and that had left and went down the fairway, it's like that, that all that pressure just followed that group. Mm. It, that, that They must've had four or five deep on that group for the whole day. Easy. Well, I've been lucky enough to see Tiger in Australia pretty much every time he since he's been here since 1995 or six. Uh, when 96, he played, yeah, Australian Open, Australian Open at uh, the Australian. Oh, Huntingdale! He played played the Masters at Huntingdale as well that year. That's where I saw him. Went down the in the uh, free day, the practice day, and uh, yep. checked him out. So, if you haven't done it, you've got to do it. Um, you know, even if you get this uh, tomorrow, you know, still, I'm sure you'll still be able to get a ticket at the gate, but. Uh, Go and see Tiger. You might not ever see him here again. You may. Hopefully you will, but uh, you may not. But, uh, you know, he's he's good for golf. He shifts the needle, and uh, and that's a good thing. Rocket, let's wrap it up there. You're all right with that? I'm absolutely hunky-dory with that. It's all tickety-boo. Thanks for your time, brother, and let's play you out with your special music. Here it is. Thanks for listening to my Love of Golf podcast. Share this. Tell your friends. Ask yourself, what is my love of golf all about? Answer that question because that's what the My Love of Golf podcast is. My love of golf is, finish that sentence. All right, until next time, which we might do, what, next week, early next week after the uh, – Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. come back on that. All right, mate. Good to chat. Bye. Bye.